Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. So this morning got off to an okay start for me. And then I took a break. That's when I noticed that former illegitimate president Donald J. Trump had posted something on his Truth Social platform. And it says, quote, So, with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception, that's in caps, in working closely with big tech companies, the DNC, and the Democrat Party, do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner, or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. What do you think? Do you think he's just lashing out, perhaps because he is beginning to feel the walls closing in on him? Possibly. I think that's a very good possibility. In fact, I think that that is kind of typical of Trump. When he gets bad news or there's been some bad press about him, he will very often take to social media, often in the early morning hours, and rant, post crazy things that he can't prove and he can't back up, and half the time they don't make any sense. And I think that's what's happening. I think that Trump is beginning to realize, along with probably family members and attorneys that are telling him you're running out of time and the stuff that you used to do in the past isn't going to be working like that going forward. Trump's always wanted to delay. Delay, delay, delay when it comes to court. And if he can't get what he wants from one court, he goes to the next highest court. And if he can't get what he wants from them, he asks for the full court to review. And if he can't get that, he goes to the Supreme Court. And the whole point is to just buy him more time, more time to come up with another excuse. Maybe they'll think of something that'll work this time. Maybe they'll think of something that they can go to court with that won't get his lawyers sanctioned. Who knows? But while 
A lot of the discussion this week has been about Ye, the person formerly known as Kanye West, and of course the dinner party at Mar-a-Lago where Trump had a white supremacist, a well-known white supremacist, for dinner. I wonder what Isabel Sanford, who played the housekeeper in the 1967 movie, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, I wonder what she would have done having realizing that there is a white supremacist sitting at the table wanting to be served dinner. Hopefully there would have been a hot gravy accident or something. <laughs> but uh, this week, in addition to that kind of stuff, which has taken up much of the airtime. There was a county in Arizona that declined to certify the election results at the, as per the deadline, as per Arizona law. And it went before a judge in Arizona who basically told them that they don't have any choice in the matter. It's not up to them whether they want to certify or not. They have a job to do and they have to do it and they have no input into that process. So the Arizona County was ordered by the judge to certify the election and the lawyers arresting, uh, um, representing the Republicans were sanctioned. Want some details? Well, here's how it went down in Arizona on Thursday. This is, what, the day before yesterday? Because it's Saturday now. Saturday, November the 3rd. A judge in Arizona by uh, the name of Casey F. McGinley, he's a Superior Court judge, basically told the governing board of a bright red county in the southeastern corner of Arizona that they needed to certify the results of the November 8th election. And he was very clear in his finding that the members of the governing board had no authority to basically shirk a duty that was required of them under state law. And McGinley said to them, you will meet today. And then he said, you will canvass the election no later than five o'clock. So the board convened at about 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon, and one of the Republicans was absent. The two remaining supervisors, one of them was a Republican and one was a Democrat, voted to certify the results. So this surrender under court order basically ended the standoff in the county that could have upended the state's uh, process for affirming the will, the will of more, the more than 2.5 million Arizona voters. And what they were discussing prior to this was the fact that if this 
county didn't get its act together and get these votes certified and do their job, basically, that all of the voters in that county would basically have their votes wiped out because the state of Arizona would have to certify the results of the election, excluding every vote in that county because that county had not turned anything in. You have to either turn it in complete or not at all. I guess it's either all or none. So that certainly would have made a difference because there were some who thought that if that indeed happened, since that republic, that county was such a, a Republican stronghold, that it might very well allow Democrats to have seats in the state of Arizona that they didn't actually win because these votes would not be counted. So... <laughs> The, the governor-elect of Arizona is a Democrat by the name of Katie Hobbs, and she is currently the Secretary of State. And yes, yes, I have, to, I have to say there is something that seems conflicting about a Secretary of State overseeing an election in which they personally are running for something. But apparently that is okay because I guess there's no laws preventing that. Governor Kemp, Brian Kemp of Georgia, you might recall, was the Secretary of State in Georgia before he became governor. And of course, in order to become governor, he had to disenfranchise hundreds of thousands of voters who probably would not have voted for him. But yeah. He oversaw his own election for governor. And if I recall correctly, there were even calls for him to step down and let somebody else oversee the election at the time, but he refused. So maybe that's something that needs to be addressed. If you're running for a seat in an election and you are supposed to oversee that election, maybe somebody else needs to do it instead. Just, you know to keep everybody honest. So, uh, <laughs> um, what had happened was that this county in Arizona, uh, its members voted two to one to flout this deadline for the, in Arizona where all counties had to certify the results in a process that is known as canvassing the election. And then the state, in turn, is required under state law to certify the election on December the 5th. So that is coming up on Monday. And so it's done. And at the same time, the lawyers for Carrie Lake, who was a former television personality who was running for governor and lost to Katie Hobbs, and Mark Fincham, who was running for the Secretary of State, both of them lost, 
Both of them were Trumpers. Both of them were election deniers. And neither one of them could come up with any proof at all that anything had happened. And I'm talking the 2020 election still. Okay. We're, yes, we're, we're two years down the road from 2020. And we still have people on the Republican side of the aisle telling us that the election in 2020 was stolen. It was rigged or stolen or something. And yet they have no proof. Some people say that they have the proof, but they haven't presented it to anybody. So, you know, what kind of a, what kind of a game are we really playing here, folks? I mean, come on. If you've got proof, cough it up. It's ridiculous. And what is even more ridiculous are the American people who are so weak-minded that they just accept this without questioning it. Because if supporters started saying, well, if you guys have got the evidence, why don't you show it to us? Make them cough it up. They don't have anything. The 2020 elections, most of the states looked over stuff a second or a third time. Arizona basically had its election dissected and (laughs) viewed under a microscope over a period of months and at the cost of millions and millions of dollars to Arizona taxpayers and others, and nothing, nothing, nothing. So at what point are these people going to get smacked down and told to shut the hell up? Show us your evidence or shut up about it. This is childish. This is like playground stuff that kids are supposed to learn how to, how to interact with other people on the, on the playground in, in grade school, kindergarten stuff. You're supposed to learn to be a graceful loser. This is politics. There's going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser. And if you can't accept losing, don't play the game. And as we've seen, just because you're a loser this time doesn't mean you're going to be the loser down the road. A lot of people have won elections after losing them. So that's just the way it is. That's just the way it shakes out. If you can't deal with it, what is the saying? If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Well, if you can't stand losing, get out of politics. And we've got some really bad losers here. And it's really getting past the point of ridiculous, this fantasy conspiracy stuff, this imaginary world that so many Republicans live in. It's just ridiculous, really. So anyway, another federal judge on Thursday sanctioned the lawyers for Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham. And when you look at the, the orders from these two different judges, you can see that the judges are getting fed up with the efforts to politicize um, basically roles that are, have been done for years without 
a lot of fanfare and without a lot of of to do, they just kind of tally the votes, um, canvassing, canvass the votes, whatever you want to call it, and then they they certify them, and and it's kind of done. But now all of a sudden, they want to pretend that there's this vast conspiracy going on. You know, election machines haven't been certified or the somebody's rigging the numbers or something doesn't make any sense so um the federal judge in the Cary lake and mark fincham thing uh was a guy by the name of john tucci and he is uh in the u.s district court for the district of arizona and he wrote that sanctions, quote, sanctions would, quote, make clear that the court will not condone litigants furthering false narratives that baselessly undermine public trust at a time of increasing disinformation about and distrust in the democratic process, end quote. And that is a result of Lake and Fincham suing Maricopa County because they wanted the county to do a hand count of the vote. And Maricopa County is the uh, county where Phoenix is located, which is, of course, the population center for Arizona. And uh, they did uh, Pima County also, which is home to Tucson. Tucson is just south of Phoenix. That's those are big, big population hubs in Arizona. And this happened earlier, and this same judge, Tucci, dismissed that suit back, I think it was in August, and said that uh, both Lake and Fincham had made vague and unsubstantiated allegations about the flaws of voting machines. And then Lake and Fincham turned right around and filed a notice of appeal in September. And in this latest ruling on Thursday, the judge found that the sanctions were appropriate, quote, to send a message to those who might file similarly baseless suits in the future, end quote. So I think that some of the attorneys are finally beginning to run out of time as well because judges are getting tired of these stupid lawsuits being filed. And as with Trump, a lot of them, it's pretty obvious, don't stand much of a chance of succeeding. And maybe it's just a way of buying time or getting publicity or maybe they're doing it uh, because they're putting on a big show for Trump, trying to impress him for whatever reason. So, uh, the judge's order on the um, sanctions for the attorneys were not mentioned in the, the judge's order. But... The order asked Maricopa County, or told Maricopa County, to detail their attorney's fees for the county within 14 days. And 
uh, among the attorneys that were listed by these candidates in court filings were Alan Dershowitz, who is a former Harvard Law School professor, and he also advised former President Donald Trump at one time. So, and apparently, my pillow, you know, the, the crazy guy that used to be behind your medicine cabinet in the bathroom and the TV ads, Mike Lindell is the CEO, and he's a big Trumper. He apparently financed a lot of this, a lot of the legal stuff for this particular case. So, anyway, um, <laughs> and he's acting like the, um, like the, uh, the candidates had tons of experts and tons of evidence, more than any case in history. And it's just disgusting what judges are doing. Really? You know, I, 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 I still have a problem believing that they have any evidence because they're so quick to appear on television and make accusations about other people and this is being rigged and the machines aren't certified and all of this. And along with Donald Trump, if they had evidence that clearly showed that there was something going on, even if it wasn't a clear indication of fraud or any type of an indication that the election isn't legit, do you really think that they would keep that secret? I don't believe that they would for a second. Come on, Donald Trump, he is like a whore, pardon the, the term, but he really is. He is a whore for attention. And if he had any kind of evidence at all to back up anything that he's saying, he would have that plastered all over over the place, and so would all of his supporters. Those Trumpers would have that stuff plastered everywhere. And I have yet to see anything at all that is even looks like evidence. All, all I've seen are a bunch of people saying that it's been rigged. It's been rigged. My question is, how long do we allow them to get away with that? I understand that there's a First Amendment right to free speech. I completely get that. And yes, I do respect that. I sure do. Absolutely. But with... Every right that we have, there are limitations, or there should be limitations. And that is because you can't just say, here you go, and you can do whatever the heck you want to do. doesn't matter if you hurt someone else or if you cause someone else to be harmed. Very often that is what happens with First Amendment is you incite 
someone or, or, or some people to do something and you end up hurting someone else. The example that I've heard used frequently, or perhaps it's the one that I learned when I was taught about the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment and the Constitution, because I did take uh, civics classes in school that I learned about these things. And the example that was given is you can't stand up in a crowded theater and yell fire unless you have a good reason to believe that there is indeed a fire. And a lot of people just don't seem to understand that what they're doing when they're complaining about the elections being rigged or whatever is they are undermining a democratic process without reason. Now, <laughs> if they had good reason, I, I think that they need to have the attention that they deserve. But in the absence of anything that would indicate that there's any problem at all, <laughs> how long are we going to entertain this? Because every time they say this kind of a thing or do something that shows that they don't trust the elections, it undermines the entire process. So how long do we do this? I will point out that in the Arizona case against, that was filed by Lake and Fincham, that the sanctions were only for the lawyers, for the candidates, and it did not include the candidates. But the judge did say that, quote, the court does not find that plaintiffs have acted appropriately in this matter. Far from it. To sanction plaintiffs' counsel here is not to let plaintiffs off the hook. It is to penalize specific attorney conduct with the broader goal of deterring similarly baseless filings initiated by anyone, whether an attorney or not, end quote. So it does seem like a lot of the judges are kind of getting fed up of this. Uh, there's a lot of people waiting to have their case uh, heard before a, a judge. And this kind of stuff just, <laughs> it just, it just bogs down the court and makes everybody have to wait. And you know what they say about justice delayed is justice denied. So at any rate, it's, I'm glad that they finally put this behind them and that the Arizona thing should go away now. But whether Lake and Fincham and Trump will allow that to occur, who knows? I guess we will see. Time will tell. In other bad news for Donald Trump this week, 
the 11th Circuit has vacated Judge Aileen Cannon's order to appoint a special master in the Mar-a-Lago investigation. You probably remember that Trump went looking for a judge who would basically side with him, apparently. And this judge is one that he appointed, which if you start looking at the people that Donald Trump appointed to the bench while he was president, you will be shocked to learn that a lot of them are completely unqualified to do the job that he chose for them to do. And she is, is one of them. And she went to the extreme step of agreeing to appoint a special master in the Mar-a-Lago investigation. And most of the experts say that the whole point of this was to basically um, delay things because that would definitely slow things down. And now the 11th Circuit has basically said, no, no more special master. Let's get on down the road with this. So that's bad. And they, the opinion that the 11th Circuit wrote really condemned Judge Cannon. And it's pretty much expected that she is going to be brought up for a review or whatever the process is that they, they put judges through because her, her decision was really out of, out of bounds. And let's see, what else? Um, well, uh, of course, we've already talked about the Oath Keepers guys being convicted of seditious conspiracy, which is a pretty serious crime. And when you look at all the other things that have happened recently, uh, you know, a federal judge ordered Donald uh, Trump's former top lawyer, Cipollone was one of them, to uh, testify uh, in uh, the criminal grand jury probe. And, of course... The um, ex-chief of staff, Mark Meadows, was also ordered to testify in the Georgia election probe. And they've pretty much said that any type of privilege that they, uh, these witnesses, or Trump might try to say uh, would prevent them from testifying, they've already pretty much have said no. There's, there's nothing. So... Again, yeah, bad week for, for Trump. So maybe this is partly responsible for his post. And I have to ask, what do you think? Do you think that the accusations that Trump made could be construed as a clear and present danger to the country? I I don't know. I kind of think that it very well could be.
truly. So, <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's kind of scary when you look at it. Um, the term clear and present danger is a, a doctrine that was adopted by the Supreme Court of the United States that they use to determine under which circumstances limits can be placed on First Amendment freedoms of speech, press, or assembly. And, you know, it's, it's something that has been challenged over the years to some degree, But clear and present danger has become uh, a kind of a public metaphor for First Amendment speech. And they use it as kind of a, a criterion to determine whether the speech would provoke what they call an imminent lawless action. So basically in baby words, if the speech could motivate someone or a group to take an action that would be illegal against the law, which could be harmful or dangerous, put somebody else's life in danger or whatever, that would be a, a clear and present danger uh, under the terms of the First Amendment right of uh, free speech. And I don't know about you, but I kind of think that uh, this um, this post of Trump's is kind of, I don't know, I think it's kind of dangerous. Because he's, it sounds to me like he's advocating to get rid of the Constitution and to invalidate the process of having free and clear elections determined by a vote of the people by installing himself into the White House because he feels that he rightfully deserves it because he won the 2020 election. And, of course, this is in complete absence of anyone having a shred of evidence that there was anything at all in the 2020 election. Now, I've seen some evidence on the 2016 election that kind of indicates that there was some interference on the part of Russia, and it was intended to help Donald Trump win the election, which apparently it worked, even though Hillary Clinton did get more votes, millions more votes than Donald Trump. So at what point do we shut this stuff down? Do we just allow people to continue to pretend that something has happened 
I really would like for the press to start getting in everybody's face, every Republican. If they're interviewing Trump, if they're interviewing Trumpers and say, where's the evidence? We've not seen the evidence. It's been two years. Surely you guys have had plenty of time to collate this stuff and and put it in a form that is presentable and understandable to the American people and in the in the in the attempt to be transparent about this instead of just telling us and expecting everybody to believe you we need to see some evidence that's how that works in the United States of America you have to prove and they've made an accusation and they have to prove it now and they haven't done it they haven't done it at all So Donald Trump, again, is now saying that there's been massive and widespread fraud and deception and that the Democratic, the Democrat Party, in association with the big tech companies and the DNC, have just fixed it so that the election results of 2020 have been thrown out. But just the presidential ones, okay? Just the, just the presidential election of 2020. Because all of those Republicans who won their seats in Congress, that's all legit, okay? So, yeah, I know it's a little bit of a leap, but yeah, hold on to the rope and go for it. And So he's asking, you know, you just throw the election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Well, who would do that? Who would make that declaration? Because I don't think there's anything constitutionally that allows for that process. I'm not um, a constitutional scholar or um, a constitutional expert or a lawyer or anything like that, but it seems to me that if there was a process where you just basically declare somebody else actually won. Uh, I haven't heard of it and haven't heard anybody else mention it. Or he poses the possibility of just having a new election. Well, how would you do a new election? If the voting machines are rigged and the tech companies and the DNC and the Democrat Party are all working closely together to make sure that Republicans don't win, or not just, but just him, I guess. Just, just him. How would you have another election? I mean, really. But he's saying that a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Well, again, if there was a process for that, it would have to be in the Constitution because you can't just willy-nilly make stuff up and say, oh, you know, this is the way it's going to have to be. But Trump thinks that he can do that or he should be able to do that, which really shows that there is an issue with the way he thinks and that he truly, truly, truly is unfit for office. 
And he says that our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Well, I agree with that. I don't think they would, would do that either, but I don't think they would have condoned what happened on January the 6th either. Nor do I think they would have condoned four years of violations of the Foreign Emoluments Act, which says that a president cannot personally profit because of a foreign government while holding office. And it seems to me that I remember hearing that uh, Trump prospered to the tune of $1.7 billion from the government while he served as president. So, yeah, they wouldn't have, they, that, wouldn't have, that wouldn't have flown with them either. Nor would the Senate completely refusing to hold a trial for a sitting president who had been impeached twice by the House of Representatives. So, you know, what we've got here is a pick and choose. He just wants things that are going to benefit him. And because he is the most important person in the world and the only person that should truly matter in this world, he should get what he wants. Folks, that's a dictator. That's not a president. That's not the thoughts of someone who is representing the people of a country. That is a dictator. That's a king. He wants to be king. And what is scary is that his followers think that this is all okay. And the Republican Party apparently is cool with it because I've heard a few people just recently come out against some of this stuff. But by and large, the Republican Party as a whole is staying silent. And what concerns me is that in two years from now, we will have had another election. And what are we going to do if our Department of Justice is still dragging its feet and they have not charged this joker and his cronies with the serious crimes that they've committed and he ends up getting elected to be the president again? You want to talk about a constitutional crisis? So my recommendation, folks, is to call your senators and your representatives and call the Department of Justice, call the White House, and say, we are tired of this. Let's get on down the road with this. Now, I hope the special counsel is truly up to speed. Everybody says that he is. But, um, you know, two years when... No charges have been filed against any of the top people, that's for sure. These two um, conspiracy charges that uh, have been levied on these two Oath Keepers guys, those are probably the most serious charges so far, but they're not part of government And as I've mentioned, I have some really, 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 really serious questions about the things that happened on January 6th and the things that led up to 
January 6th. For instance, what members of Congress were involved in meetings ahead of time planning this type of a thing? Because there's been testimony that indicates that some of these members of Congress that are in Congress right now, some of them have just been reelected to their seats, could very well be intimately involved in the insurrection. And there are an awful, awful, awful lot of questions that haven't been answered. For instance, why was it so long before the National Guard was called in? It was hours. Why is it that the FBI and the CIA didn't act? You know, there was that memo that went out ahead of time that said the police couldn't have weapons and the National Guard couldn't be deployed. And we need to find out not only why it was written, but who told the, the person that wrote it that it needed to be written. Because that would be pretty high up, I would think. So anyway, uh, another day and more news, more bad news for Trump. And I think that we now are going to need to really watch the clock and the calendar going forward because this stuff is going to have to move briskly. And it does appear that the courts have kind of caught on to this. I am not sure that Trump is going to continue to send stuff to the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court has made it pretty obvious that they don't really buy into any of this special treatment because he used to be president. Uh, that, that philosophy, uh, they've kind of kicked that back to him a couple of times now. And I think some of these things that he might want to put before the Supreme Court are going kick, to get kicked back to him pretty quickly. And I suspect that there will be other courts doing the same thing because they know exactly what he's doing. He's just trying to get himself some more time. And, uh, of course, this week also, the trial against the Trump Organization in New York State wrapped up. So it will be interesting to see what comes of that. That's it. I've got more, but I'm going to let you guys and gals go because it's Saturday and you probably have other things to do. Although if you're like me, you listen to podcasts with your earbuds on and you do other things while you're listening. So I did listen to the hashtag Sisters in Law podcast this morning and it's their 100th episode And it's very good, of course, as all of their podcasts are. So if you haven't given them a listen, do it. They have long ads, though, I'll tell you that. Their ads are like really, 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 really long, like four and five minute ads, it seems like. Because some of the stuff, like women's makeup and women's lingerie, don't really apply to me, so I'll try to fast forward through those once I realize that's what they're talking about. They do have some interesting ads, though, but 
The women's stuff is probably of more interest to females than it is to males. At least in, in my case, I, I don't really care about makeup or lingerie <laughs> or nail polish or whatever. So give them a listen if you get a chance. They're, it's their 100th episode. They're all really smart and it, they talk about their podcasts and what they're, uh, they answer questions from, list, from uh, people that listen to the podcast and they answer questions uh, of each, that each other has and uh, they also covered some current news on their podcast. So you can find it anywhere there's podcasts and if you really want to hear something that will shock you and make you sit down and really think about things. Rachel Maddow's Ultra podcast is incredible. Probably one of the best podcasts I have ever listened to. It's only eight episodes long, and I don't even think they run an hour. I think they're like 45, 50 minutes. Incredibly well done. And it talks about Republicans in Congress who were being paid to promote Hitler and the Nazi agenda. And it's a true story. It's a true story. So if you have time, you need to put that one on your list of podcasts to listen to. It is a must listen for everyone. That's Rachel Maddow, Ultra. Have a great weekend, everybody. It will probably be Monday before uh, Monday or Tuesday before I do another podcast. I might do one tomorrow. I've got one I'm working on. I'm just not sure yet, but you'll hear it when it's available. Thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at FederalAndy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm-hmm.